Well, we started a new series for the season of Lent. If you don't know the season of Lent, it's it's the season in the church calendar where we prepare for Easter. We prepare uh, in prayer and and practice. Uh, Some people uh, give some things away for Lent. Some people take on new spiritual practices. Um, But it's a season of preparation. And so uh, we had an Ash Wednesday service this last Wednesday, and, and we talked about God inviting the people out into the wilderness uh, to worship. And so uh, we, we read the story of Moses telling the Pharaoh, hey, let the people go out into the wilderness just three days. Give us three days' journey. We're going to go worship God in the wilderness. And so we are in the midst of this series uh, focusing on how God moves in the wilderness. So I want to read for you today's text from Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 and following. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought if the people faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. And so God led people by the roundabout way, the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from there. And so they set out from Sukkoth and camped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Gihahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. In front of Baal-Zephon, you shall camp opposite of it by the sea. And the Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The word of the Lord. When we approach this text, uh, I think it's, you know, there's a ways in which texts can feel foreign to us, feel really distant, feel like it's hard to, to understand. But there's also something in these texts that also really does speak, really does relate to us. And when I think about the cries of the people in Egypt, of the cries of, of wanting freedom, wanting to be able to be free to live the life that God has for them. Uh, that's an understandable desire. They want to be free to live the life that God has for them. Now, some people might interject different things into that kind of statement. They might say, instead of God, like, I want to be free to live the life that humanity can lead. I want to be free to live the life that, uh, that this nation can lead. I want to be free to live, and you might insert something else other than God there, but people want to be free to live the life the best life possible. And for the people in, in Egypt that were the Hebrew people that were enslaved, uh, they wanted to be free, which has a different feeling than, than maybe when you or I have that desire. Uh, they wanted to be out from the oppression of the Pharaoh and from the slave labor. Uh, but they didn't just want to be out of that job. They, they wanted to be able to find a place where they could live their life. They could follow their God. They could speak their language. They could live the life to the fullest. 
that God has invited them into. And in the story, they don't know God that much yet. They, they are still learning God's name. They're still trying to understand who is this God that's moved in our ancestors. But they are wanting to trust that God to go out and to try to live this life. And so I don't know about you, but I, I feel like that's a, a desire that we can all get around. Oh, I want to be free to live the best life that God has for me. Now, I don't know what the best life gets inserted into each of every person's story. Uh, we all have different versions of what we feel like the best life of what God might have for me would include. And you might have your wish list. And if, if life, oh, God, if you, if you just rain down blessings, what would that look like for me? Maybe you have your dream list of like the travel spots. You want to travel and you want to find uh, experiences. You want to see uh, new people. You want to see new places. Uh, maybe you've always wanted uh, something about where you live, whether that's a new house, an addition to your house. You, you've always wished you had the certain kitchen. You've always wished you had a certain car. Uh, for me, like, I feel like my dream car at the moment is uh, I'd love a Tesla. You know, I like tech, and I, just, I find it fascinating the, uh, the way that they have power, but also um, they don't seem to care if the gas prices go really high on a given week. Um, but whatever you'd fill that in with, of like, man, if I could have the best thing for my life, uh, what would that look like? And it's hard when you've been enslaved that, like, what would it look like? They, they probably don't even know. They probably aren't even thinking that far ahead. They just know, I want something different than what I'm currently living. And so they go out. They, they said, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. And in this verse, we get the Pharaoh, let the people go. And you might feel like that's a great conclusion to the story. All I wanted, I wanted to be let free. I got it. But it's not actually fully realized yet. They're externally free from the Pharaoh for this moment. But they're not yet living in a new land. They're not yet settled down. They're not yet worshiping God fully. They're, they've still got a lot of ways to go. And so they're externally free, but they're internally still struggling. They're not actually set free inside. They're not actually set free in their fullness of life. They're, they're still like, okay, I got everything I wanted in that first moment. Like something I never thought would happen that the Pharaoh said, yes, you can leave, happened but yet they're still not actually to that end goal. And so they've got to figure out, well, what on earth do we need to do to get from this place to living the life God has for us? How do I get out of this place and get to the next place in life? And so if you had that opportunity of like, hey, go be free to live what God has called for you, you might want to take the fastest road there, the easiest road there. How do I just get from point A to point B? And what's interesting about this text is that the Hebrew people have to take a bizarre route. There's easy roads. There's a highway. There's a highway that just gets from here to the promised land. Why can't we just take the highway? It would be so much faster. And they've got to take a very strange route. And so we all have to figure out what's the route we're taking to get to the place that God has for us. Because there's so many possibilities, there's so many possible routes, there's so many trails in which people have tried to live their life, trails in which people have tried to find uh, a better life for themselves. And we all have highways that, that seem to be shortcuts, seem to be safe, quick routes that make it there. And for, for many people, the highway to the best life possible is, is some version of saying the American dream of, 
if you work hard enough, you put in the hours, you put in your work, you're going to get the promotion, you'll get the, the nice house, you'll get the nice family. Right? Like we, we push this thing of, if you just choose to do the right things and do it the right way and the hard way, you'll get the thing that you want. Some people take a different route. If you want you know, different versions of the self-help route, of um, whether it's you know, of, of diet advice or if it's about... Uh, like self-talk or your mental health or all sorts of versions of I, I need to read this person, I, I'm going to learn the tools, I'm going to learn the strategies and I'm going to unlock for myself the easy path from where I'm at to the best life for me. For some people, the highway is religion of sorts. It's easy of like, well, do I call myself a Christian? Did I show up at a church service? Figure out like what boxes that you check. I'm like, oh, if I just check enough of those boxes, surely that's enough. I fulfilled the quota. I did what was asked of me. And surely that will make it enough. I, I, then I just end up at my best life, right? Everything's going to work out. But you, you work really hard. You feel like you're going to get ahead. And the next thing you know, your whole industry fails. Think about how many people in manufacturing Felt like, okay, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna get ahead, I'm gonna, this is, I'm working hard, and then the whole industry changes. Think about how hard you work, you think, I'm gonna get that promotion, and then there's like a nepotism hire of, a, well, you know, the boss had a relative that needed a position, and suddenly you, somebody else got the spot. Think about, you worked really hard, you were loyal to this company for a long time, and then suddenly the company sells out to a big company. Now none of that loyalty matters anymore. You put all that work in, and then it just disappeared. Think about you, you worked so hard, and, and just the outcomes that you expected just didn't happen. Or you actually seemed like you got one of the best lives. You got all of the things that you wanted. You checked off all these things, and then you turned and you looked around, and everybody else was very frustrated that they didn't get the same thing that you got. And so even if it, it seems like it's working out, you look around, and, and there's a lot of Jealousy and anger at why, why didn't it work out for me? And so this easy highway suddenly is a lot harder than it looks. And for those who, who take the kind of self-help routes, you know, we think we've got a plan and we think we're going to do something new, we're going to fix it, but then the diet fails. Then the bad habits start coming back. We start regressing. We start returning back to our old habits, our old self. Or maybe the person we were living and trying to model after, they had their own failure. They fell apart. And so it's like, man, I was trying to live like this person, and then they let me down. Like, if they can't do it, how am I supposed to do it? For those of us in religious settings, uh, if those in the church are like, okay, I've, man, I showed up for a lot of years. I feel like I did all the right things. Like, why is my life not feeling fulfilling right now. Like I, I feel like God's absent. I feel like I'm not getting what I need out of my faith. Like, what's happening? And you feel empty, even though you've been on this highway. Uh, that's what the Hebrew people have to be thinking about as they're trying to figure out, how do I get to freedom? How do I get to a new life? How do I get there the fastest way possible? And I'm sure there were people in this caravan who said, you know there's a highway. You know there's an easy, straight shot. You know whenever you've asked 
like talk to anybody about getting directions someplace, and you've heard the three or four different things, oh, well, if you go this way, take a left by that convenience store, you know, you get all the interesting directions. I'm sure there are people saying, there's a highway right by the sea. It's by the sea. There's water probably more in this area. It's easier to find drinks. It's easier to find food. It's easier to buy clothes because you've got trade routes. God, just give me the easy highway. I want the straight shot. I don't want detours. I don't want these confusing directions. Give me the fastest way to the best life that I can have. Make it easy. And it doesn't really work that way. In the story, uh, Exodus 13, verse 17, we hear from God and God's thoughts on this. It said, when the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the land, by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. Now, there's a a challenge about taking the easy route, a lot of people are on that same route. A lot of people also want to take the highway. And if you are a nation, a lot of people want to protect the highway. And so if you go the fast route out of the wilderness, like out of this Egyptian area back towards where the promised land is, you're going to have to find military outpost after military outpost of Egyptian uh, route kind of protection. So if you want to take the highway, it might seem faster, but it's actually more dangerous than you expect. You might not realize all the pitfalls. You might not realize how hard this is going to be. And so uh, what looks like the easy route might not actually be so. And so uh, I, I was thinking about, for myself, um, fun little story for, for about me. Um, my wife and I's very first date, we, uh, we got together in college, and uh, we lived in very different parts of Texas. Our school was kind of in between us. And it always took me two hours to get from my house to the college, taking my least favorite highway, uh, I-35. If you can imagine, it's like the major highway of Texas. Uh, two lanes going each direction for the most part in that area. Connecting cities with millions of people, only two lanes. Also very close to the Mexican border, where you've got a lot of shipping and a lot of 18-wheelers. And you've only got the two lanes. And so I-35 kind of works like you either go 80 and then suddenly you have to immediately stop because at some point on your trip, everybody is standing completely still. And then maybe five minutes later, you're going 80 again. And it makes no sense why everyone came to a stop. But it always felt a little dangerous, not very fun to drive. But it's like, okay, I generally know how long it takes. And so we were, as you might expect, we were going to go see a movie. And... Um, although I did not pick the movie, talked to Beth about her movie pick. Um, but, you know, you've got a movie times. You're thinking, I've got to be there by a certain time. You've agreed, I'm going to be there by a certain time. It always takes the two hours. Well, it takes the two hours unless you get an 18-wheeler that crashes and comes on its side across the highway. And unless the, uh, the vehicles made to lift said 18-wheeler off of the road did not also fall across road. Uh, it became just a complete standstill. And it took me over five hours to make this two-hour drive. All the while I'm thinking, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Am I going to be, I'm going to be late. As you, there's nowhere to go. It's the clear shot. It's the simple route. And because it's so clear and simple, there's hardly any alternate routes. 
And so eventually it takes like everybody just driving off of the highway, just going off of the grass and just trying to find some city streets and try to find how else do we get down this highway. But we don't always know what's ahead of us, even when we think it's this clear shot. It's the simple route. And so God looks at the route in front of them and says, if they go this way, this is a way of war. They're going to have to fight. But they're not going to be ready for that. And if they experience this pain and they experience this difficulty, they are probably just going to go home. And so we don't know in our lives what things are on the way that might cause us just to turn back around, go back to step one. And so sometimes there's a level of trust with God of like, why didn't I get this route? Well, maybe we don't understand the pains and the difficulties of the route that we want, the route we think is the easy road. Easy road. And so... Israel is left going to the wilderness. I'm going to read for you uh, this text here on uh, this route that they did choose. So God led the people by the roundabout way. Let's pause. The roundabout way doesn't sound very fun. Uh, The roundabout way, if you've got the time, if you don't have pressures, if you don't have the difficulties you're trying to avoid. You know, if you just got leisure time, roundabout ways sound okay. Um, but most of us don't have the patience for that roundabout way. Um, one of my favorite games to play with my five-year-old is to joke with her about whether I'm taking a roundabout way home or not. Because she decides, Dad, don't do it. Go home, Dad. Why are This isn't the way, Dad. <laughs> You, you passed our street. What are you doing? And it's fun to just get people off of the regular path of like, hey, there's other ways to drive. It's okay. We have time. It's less fun when you don't have time, though. When you're going to be late to, to meet your friends, when you're going to be late to school, then the roundabout way doesn't sound so fun. But God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And Moses took with him, uh, go back. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt prepared for battle. Now, I want to pause on that. They actually went on this journey ready to go to war. Like, they went ready to go fight. Like, in a way, there was people in the group who said, let's take the highway, let's fight it out. When you take the common roads, you get the common results. You keep going down the same highway, you get the same kind of results. And you keep going down the same conflict routes, you get the same results. Just never-ending fights, never-ending war. Like sometimes you have to break from that and go a different way. So the Israelites, they want the highway, they want the easy route. They're, they think they're ready for war. But God takes them by the roundabout way. And so they set out from Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. I don't know where the edge of the wilderness is for you. Um, I haven't got to explore enough of Michigan to know where the edge of the wilderness of Michigan might be. Uh, I don't know if there's a certain city when you get into the UP where you're like, okay, now you've moved from the tourist sites to the wilderness. But when you're at that spot of like, why would you go past this point? You know where the next gas station is? You know where the next hotel is? Why? Don't go past this point. They got to the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went in front of them, and a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night 
Neither the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of the fire by night left its place in front of the people. Instead of the easy route, the people of Hebrew, the Hebrew people were invited to follow God into the wilderness by day and night. And that's not easy. Uh, one thing, they have to follow God. I don't know about you, but it's kind of nice to lead. It's nice to go first. Like, hey, the rest of the group, you can follow behind. I'm going to make the trip. I'm going to, hey, follow me through this. But to follow God is a little bit harder to give up that control and say, I'm going to mimic, I'm going to follow wherever God leads. I was thinking about when uh, my family and I, when we moved to Wisconsin from Atlanta, uh, we had the moving truck, we had our two vehicles, we were driving from Atlanta to, uh, to Wisconsin, and we were driving through Chicago, and it was at night, and uh, we had some walkie-talkies, which was fun just as an in-case thing, but suddenly not everyone was a fan of like switching lanes and moving through traffic, even though we all knew we were just going through the city. We weren't stopping there. But it's a lot easier to lead that path than it is to try to follow somebody. You've got all the other cars veering in and out. You've got all of these exits. You've got highways splitting. It can be hard to follow. And there's something in us that wants to take that first step, that wants to be the one that sets the guide. Uh, but what is it to say, all right, God, you're the one leading I'm just going to follow you in the wilderness. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, I'm, I'm going to follow God. And so they're following, and it can be tough to know in our own lives, how do I know when I'm following God? Right, we talked about you can take a religious highway that sometimes you're like, I, I don't know if I feel God in this. Where, where was God in that? And something I appreciate is when you read the early stories of the church in Acts, they were a confused group of disciples, become apostles, and they just kept meeting people and seeing God at work in their life and saying, well, I guess this is how God works. Wow, what keeps us from baptism? And, and there's something about looking and seeing God at work and, and people's lives around you of seeing, I see God in your, your, your job and your family life and your vocation, and, and you know, I, I want to see what God is doing. I want to be a part of it. And so you don't always have to take the lead and create, like, here's exactly where God is. But I think a part of why our, our cafes are, are so beautiful is I think that God has been in the midst of it, and I think that when you see God at work in people's lives, you want to be around it. You want to show up. You want to see what God might do in that moment. And so it's not like I need to go create something new. Like Maybe just find wherever God's at, whatever that pillar, whatever that cloud is. And for some of us, you know, it might be, when you read Scripture, it's not always easy to read Scripture and, and know, always know exactly what God wants you to do. But we're kind of looking through these texts, looking through these stories with a lens of love of like, where is God in this story? There's a lot of messed up people like you and me in the midst of these texts as well. But God is there showing God's love, showing how we can move forward in new ways. What is it to read these texts looking for that pillar of cloud, that that beauty of God's direction, God's guidance for our lives. And so we, we look for where God is. And I always like to kind of, if you want the simplified, how do I see where God's at? If you see where love is, that's where God is. If you see where the absence of love is, that's not where God is. You know, Jesus always summarized the, all the laws. Love God, love your neighbor. So, you know, I always like to say we, we sin when we don't love 
well. So look for God's love in the world and follow it. Follow it into the wilderness. I know that can sound scary. Like, I want an easy path that I know that works. But follow God into the unknown because you follow him into the unknown, maybe there might be some unknown possibilities, some unknown opportunities, some, some places that you wouldn't ever imagine God being, and yet there's life there. And so we, we all camp at our own Etham. We all camp at the edge of the wilderness. And the, the difficulty is, do I leave that camp and start following God into the wilderness? And so they followed him. But I really want to point out, they followed him day and night. You don't just get to turn it on and say, well, I'll follow God into the wilderness for 30 minutes a week, um, every other week. But this cloud, this pillar, it was something that could lead them day and night so that continually they were following God in the wilderness. And so that's part of our invitation is to think about how do I make the fullness of my life be following after that pillar, after that fire? Um, and where's the moments in my life where I've, I've stopped looking for God in those things? And where can I find God again in that part of my life as well? And so the people, of he, the, the Hebrew people, they followed God, they followed the pillar, they followed the cloud, even when it seemed like it wouldn't make sense. And I love that this text gives us the note that you can do this in your life, and not everybody's going to understand. So you follow God into the unknown for whatever God's calling you out to, and some people might be like Pharaoh in the story. It says, Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. I'll pause there. Um, the route makes no sense. There's no aim, there's no destination, there's no purpose. What on earth are they doing? Now, I know that sometimes we, we, when we actually are aimless, this might be a good, uh, a good kind of accusation. Do you know where you're going? Do you actually want to ask for directions? Uh, do you want to admit that you don't know where you're going? But they're actually following God, and yet it's going to look to people like they have no idea what they're doing. And so if you're worried about people's perceptions, uh, that's something to be thinking about, because the text is going to say, if you're following God, it's going to look aimless to some people. And you've got to get over that. It's okay. He's going to look and he's going to say, they are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has closed in on them. The unknown has engulfed you, and it's one. That's what they're going to think, that you've, you've lost, you've become surrounded by the wilderness, you've lost your way, you don't know how you're going to get out, it's going to cave in on you, and it's going to defeat you. So not only are they, might they think that you're aimless, they think that you're going to, to be destroyed on this route. This route's not going to work, it's going to fall apart. But the story also goes on to say that that's okay, but let God handle it. Let God handle the people on the outside who might think you're going aimlessly, that you're going to fail, you're going to fall apart, let God deal with it. See, the Israelite people, they were going out thinking we're going to war. They had their weapons ready. But this story reminds them, let God be the one who's victorious. 
And so they're going to go on a route that makes no sense. I don't know about you, but a route through the sea doesn't make a lot of sense. You walk up to the sea and you're like, all right, where are we going, God? Uh, But that's a part of their journey, to learn to have that faith, to take a way that you're not used to taking, to go to a place that you're not used to walking in. And so if we all want to be on this faith journey, if we want to see where God is leading us, see where the best life that God might have for us, it involves us having the courage to step out, get to the camp on the edge of the wilderness of your life, and keep going. And don't stop. Keep it up day and night, no matter what others are saying, no matter what others might be thinking, but just follow after God. And so that's the courageous act that God is inviting each of us to. I think we collectively have some moments of here's where God is the pillar and the cloud for this community. Uh, But there's also individual stories within that. So God has personal callings in which God is inviting you out into whatever the wilderness might be for you. I just want to encourage you to have faith, to be strong, and to take that, that leap of faith, take that trust to go out into the wilderness.